Hello everybody, welcome to my podcast. I'm the Anxious Procrastinator and I am so excited for y'all to be listening today. Oh my gosh, I've been seeing all of you listening to my podcast, posting comments and stuff, and I am just so excited and feel so blessed that you've come to join me today on my podcast to learn more about what I'm talking about and what I'm growing in my faith, in my fashion trends, in my Plexus Ambassador um, job, and also my new job that I will be explaining in a couple weeks, but just not right now. So today's podcast is called The Ring Thing, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So I'm going to ask you a question to begin this wonderful podcast. How many of you, ladies and gentlemen, have heard of the true love weights type of movement and also the ring thing movement. How many of you heard of it? Nobody? Anybody? Okay, just me. (laughs) Just kidding. Anywho, I just wanted to explain how the true love weights purity movement and ring thing purity movement had its good, had its bad, and had its really ugly moments in history of the church. But let's first start with the history in the late 80s. So in the 80s, a The Southern Baptist um, Convention found that 43% of young adults were getting very promiscuous at a very young age and were starting to fornicate at age 17 to 18. So they were starting to see a lot of issues with the church about people staying pure, of not waiting till marriage to have sex and that. So this was a big part of the church in the Southern Baptist Convention that felt like, hey, we're seeing a problem. Let's go see if we can start making an impact on it. So there was some legislative, it wasn't legislative. There was more like um, signed orders or agreements that were put out there by certain um, facts of government and stuff. I can't go into issues. I didn't, I'm not trying to go into political thoughts. It was just something I read from the 80s and that in the Reagan um, institution. And it wasn't bad. It was a great idea to do it. But I started to see a lot of horror stories coming out of the purity movement. And I wanted to talk about some of the things I read. One girl in her post to The Guardian talked about how she went to a Christian high school. All her friends had purity rings and that she always wore her purity ring. If one of her friends took it off, she thought immediately that that girl basically was impure which is such hokum. The girl was just taking it off because she was going to basketball practice and she didn't want to ruin her ring. And this girl, I don't even think her parents explained anything about sex and sexual um, conduct and promiscuous behaviors and that. And I feel like this was taught throughout a lot of staunch legalistic churches about staying pure till marriage and not really explaining what sexual acts are. And I feel like the church has kind of let down a generation of generation, um, I think it's X, maybe, (laughs) the generation before um, the millennials and the millennials about what the purity movement was all about. The purity movement, one, was supposed to help young adults confront the sin that they've been hiding all their time and to be able to go up to the front of the altar at church and say, listen, I'm going to sign a commitment to not have sex until I'm married. It was supposed to be a holy experience of young adults to go up there and to just basically have the right to say, hey, I'm gonna wait and I'm not gonna listen to what the world's gonna say. And it was a great movement. But again, we get into the legalistic churches out there who are very staunch church, I call it, and they don't like it when other people are imperfect they get mad about it they get upset they point out your flaws 
And those were the ones where I was seeing the articles where they came from a very strict Christian background. Like it just was so bad that these young adults were put on pedestals for staying pure and weren't explained about some of the things that could be helpful to them to learn that this purity movement is not about being pure. It's not supposed to be putting you on a pedestal. It's supposed to be saying, hey, I'm making a commitment between God and me to not be sexual, to not be promiscuous, to not do any of that stuff for until marriage. But again, the church got involved with it. Concerts got involved with it. Christian concerts got involved with it. Conventions got involved with it. And it became a huge thing. And then came the books that came out. Here are some of the books I've saw, I've heard of that some of you have heard of. And this one's called Kiss Dating Goodbye. It's by Joshua Harris. If you know about Joshua Harris, he actually divorced his wife and also stopped believing in God because of this. And I feel like a lot of times it was because he came from a very strong church background and he didn't know how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I feel like that's why he turned away. But he has won. He is one of the authors out there who wrote the book Kiss Dating Goodbye and talked about courtship, which is not bad. I think we should all know how to do courtship where it's like we have the mindset of marriage and not the mindset of just having sex. Another one with passion and purity. There's a little bit more written to it. I didn't want to write it down today because somebody was tired from exercising yesterday. And it was by Elizabeth Elliott. She's one of the prominent writers out there for purity movement books. And then the one is Lady and Weenie. Um, there's another thing by it. There's a little longer title to it, but I just kind of shortened it. It's by Jackie Kendall and Debbie ja Jones Rose. That's pretty interesting. Joan Rose. That's a tongue twister. But the thing about these books, they were supposed and meant to be for people who had this marriage mindset, who were ready to step into marriage. And I feel like a lot of times these purity books were trying to be guides to people, but it was more for people who are going like are engaged and want to stay pure until they're married and we're stepping into marriage. This wasn't for people who were young teeny boppers who are emotionally and sexually way over the charts of craziness, um, who don't need to be reading books like this to the point where it's like, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the perfect person. And God's going to bless me with the right person. Let me tell you that 15-year-old um, girl who said she wasn't going to kiss a guy till she was married. Yeah, she missed out on a lot in high school. She didn't talk to guys because she was afraid she was going to do something stupid and everybody would be disappointed in her. And that's what was really bad for me about the ring thing, the purity movement, was that it was put on a pedestal. It wasn't good. There was considerable... You were considered if you, with the purity movement, here's what it is. Here are three things that I learned from the purity movement and horror stories and all that jazz. It said it was you were considered damaged goods. If you had sex before marriage, you were considered damaged goods. There was nothing that was going to save you. You were a horrible person and you're never going to be good enough. And that's where I feel the church failed on a lot of things about like, oh, you're going to be damaged goods for your husband. And you don't want that person to think of horrible things. It's like, if you have sinned or if you've had sex before marriage i'm gonna tell you your husband should not care about that he should care more about your walk now than what you did 15 years ago as a teenager because that doesn't matter what matters now is how are you living for christ and have you forgiven yourself over that issues and i feel like the purity movement did not teach you that um nobody would want you because you were promiscuous 
you were considered a horrible name. The church looked down on a lot of people who did that, and they never really helped people who were hurting through this process of getting promiscuous at a young age. They kind of made a big thing about like putting those people down and trying not to help them. I feel like my church did it a little bit different. Like they did try to help the ones who were really lost, who really were getting into a lot of sexual promiscuous behaviors and stuff. A lot of times it didn't work. They weren't interested, but at least some people did try to reach out to these people. And then one example I remember hearing over the radio, another thing, third thing about the bad and the ugly about um, the ring thing movement was this thing about the rose and this pastor this was done by oh i can't remember his name i can think of his face chandler matt chandler there we go matt chandler did a video one time about sexual purity but he did it in a different way that really got you out of the judgmental mindset of somebody who was sexually impure and he went to one of these movements and he said they were really ridiculous and stupid he said he saw a pastor pass around a rose to everybody. He said, here, take this beautiful rose, and I want a couple people to touch and stuff and then hand it back to me. And after a few people touched it, took some petals off, kind of rubbed their hands all over it, he said, this is what your purity looks like if you don't save yourself to a marriage. Who would want this? And Matt Chandler said in his head, he wanted to screw the top song, Jesus does. Jesus wants you. Jesus wants to help heal you. And I feel like a lot of the movement shut those voices out because it was about wearing the dumb rings, making the stupid purity cards, and getting all these people to sign these things to go into these organizations who do research in that instead of really healing the person from the inside out. One thing the church did not do good in my area or around the area was sexual arouse or tension. I felt guilt and shame. I felt unworthy and not able to be loved. You know, when you have sexual tension, sexual arouse, like you just, you don't have a lot of mentors who know how to deal with that. And because you go to a certain church that's very, very, very staunch legalistic, they're not going to talk about it. Some churches even didn't even say the S word. You weren't allowed to talk about it. And if a girl did this or a girl did something sexually promiscuous to their boyfriend, they were considered the black sheep never let in. And I'm like, doesn't that just remind you so much of the Pharisees back in the New Testament who were talking to, who were putting Jesus down for talking for sinners? But Jesus is the one pointing us towards the people in our church, the young people who are struggling with this and saying, we need to be the light and the feet to these people because they are just desperate for us to help them. They're here to get healed. And we're not healing them by shoving purity down their face. Because guess what? It is hard to stay pure. I know a lot of Christians, girls that were in my um, youth group who didn't stay pure until marriage. And a lot of them walked away from church because they did not want to follow this type of legalistic rules about Jesus hating them. And I understood that. I, I can understand now why they don't come anymore. But I also feel like some of them, some of them did play the purity card to get higher up and make it themselves look better. But some of the friends would talk to me and kind of tell me things about what they would do. And it was just, it was awful to think like, why aren't you being truthful about this? Like we're talking about this in our small groups and you're not being truthful about what you're doing with your boyfriend which I understand she didn't want to probably tell in the group because, again, she probably would look down on. People would judge her. 
she was one of those people who was very bossy. I did not like her. But anywho, I felt like she probably felt like she couldn't be honest. And I feel like now generations of Christians are coming out and saying like, the purity movement pretty much messed me up. And I'm like, oh crap, yeah. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people who got really, really caught up in the moment of the purity movement that I didn't realize there was so much good that comes from it when you actually make the effort to say, hey, I'm going to stay pure and just not sign a thing and say like, okay, I'm going to stay pure. And you don't put effort to it. That's what happened a lot with people is they didn't put the effort to it. The biggest thing I saw also in churches, and I still see it today up in my area, is singleness seems to be a curse. Like there's something wrong or mentally wrong with you that you're not getting a guy right now. You're not married by 25 and popping out a kid by four kids by 30. You see, I want to talk about the biggest thing with singleness in my church and why I'm kind of leaving the second church I've gone to is because I saw so many people obsessed about marriage because they wanted to have sex. They wanted to have sex because they did the purity movement. They came from a very strong conservative background of family members, which I'm conservative, but I don't hold that against people. And I'm so open-minded. I am such a loving person. I will not judge you if you tell me your promiscuous pass. It won't bother me. I've heard worse in um, catering kitchens than what you guys are talking about. So we's good. It won't bother me. But I feel that a lot of times churches, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. That's so funny. I feel like a lot of times churches, there we go, made it a big push around this area to get married, to reproduce, to have kids because we're just a generation away from people not wanting to have kids. And I'm telling you the truth right now, kids my age are not getting married because they want to be financially stable, they want to travel, they want to be able to live their lives without being responsible for a kid. And yes, that's selfish, but also you want to be able to give your full attention to a child because that is important development in their lives when their parents is fully focused on them, fully focused on bringing them up biblically, bringing them up in a church family, bringing them up where they're not perfect. And I don't want my kids to ever feel like they have to be perfect. I want them to know that Jesus will forgive you, but you have to forgive yourself and love yourself. So I feel like a lot of people my age who married young don't really want to have kids right now because they're realizing, man, I have a lot more freedom right now and trying to pop a kid out and trying to do all that stuff. And I noticed so many of my friends who ran into marriage, who ran into it, and they just, it wasn't satisfying. I had one friend who she just obsessed about having boyfriends. She was very clingy with them. I don't talk to this person anymore and they probably don't even listen to this, but she just got obsessive with marriage and the next guy she dated, the one who actually came up and talked to her actually was very controlling and very like cruel. And it was like, it had to be his way or the highway. And I was in a small group with these people and I just felt like, "Mm, I'm seeing too much tension. I'm seeing too much issues. I'm seeing two people who didn't understand coming into marriage. is a job and watching my sister struggle with marriage. It's a job. And it's like, am I ready to handle that job quite yet? Or do I need a year or two to kind of figure myself out and get some stuff under control before I jump into marriage? And that was the thing. Like singleness to me now is still honoring God. Marriage can honor God. Having kids can honor God. But we need to get back to singles being 
not put on the pedestal, but felt like they were wanted in the church. Because it's always about the children and the family and the young couples, but it's never about the singles who are struggling to really wrap their mind around how to stay pure, how to live their lives, how to be able to take care of themselves and trust God that he will take care of them if they're not meant to marry. And that's the big thing the purity movement pushed a lot was like marriage, marriage, marriage. And that was the ugly truth. So just seeing too many people just do too many stupid things with the purity movement. Churches did not prepare parents with this, with the biblical scripture of how to talk to your kids about this. Now my church did, they had like a group session beforehand of like how to talk to your kids about this. What are some things you should say to them? Kind of let them ask you questions. Like don't be afraid to be honest. But a lot of staunch churches didn't do that. They didn't do it. And so a lot of kids are coming into this new generation and a lot of them are getting divorced because they're not understanding that this is what marriage is and this is how it works and it's going to be tough and you can't let it bother you. And it's just like, you know, churches did not prepare parents to explain sexual acts, sexual things, explaining how sex works. A lot of parents don't explain them and a lot of young people have been damaged by it. They've been damaged by the purity movement. They were damaged by their parents because their parents didn't talk about it and they didn't explain it. And they went and did these things all by themselves and they got themselves in trouble. And that's the sad part because in scripture, it talks about that stuff. It talks about sex. It talks about our bodies being temples of God. But it also talks about why it's important to have sex, why sex is beautiful and mosaic and how this is a worship of God and how we as Americans have turned it into such a disgusting act that girls who are so put on the pedestal of purity, they get so terrified like sex is ruined for them because it's like, oh my gosh, I stay pure until marriage. And then it was just like, basically the first time they have sex is right after they get married and it just traumatizes them because they're just like they weren't prepared and i'm so grateful for my mom and dad i'm going to give a shout out to them mostly my mom for explaining sex to me i know how the mechanisms work i know all this other stuff i've talked about what i struggle with and some of you have heard what i've struggled with on these podcasts and i really really let her know like hey you know like i want to know more about this and she was open she was so open about helping me get through these times of like needs and wants and knowing how to deal with this. But also, I think the biggest thing that purity movements kind of really traumatize a single life is that marriage is the ultimate goal. Marriage is not the ultimate goal. The purity movement, this is the one good thing, it's learning to have intimacy with Christ. It's learning to have a relationship with Him. It's being honest with what we're struggling with and talking to Him and let Him know like, hey, Lord, I'm struggling with this and I need your help. Like that's what the purity movement was all about. It was supposed to be vulnerability and a lot of people and a lot of pastors did not teach teenagers how to be vulnerable with Christ. I mean, sometimes getting on your knees and crying your eyes out and put your hands out and saying like, hey, I need you, Jesus, because I can't do this on my own. Second off, purity was so impurity is should not be turned into idolatry. Idolatry. There we go. Idolatry. And that was the biggest thing that churches did. A lot of times they would put these certain people on here and make them mentors of the youth group and that because they were sexually pure and they didn't party and they didn't do this and they were like the greatest examples. But purity should not overtake 
Jesus in your heart. If everything is about staying pure, you got the wrong messed up signal. Purity is supposed to lead you to Christ, not lead you to making it the ultimate goal of your life. The ultimate goal is Jesus. Our ultimate goal is following him. And then many women had had a bad experience with purity movement because of the way the church handled it. And they did not handle it very well. So these are kind of the bad things I put down, which I said good, pardon me, refrain that. That is going to be considered this is the bad stuff. But here are the good stuff. Here's the good thing about purity. is like you can still do purity and do purity rings and make it all about Jesus. I'm seeing more of a growth in ladies who are like 40 and over doing more purity rings and saying like, you know what? I'm going to stay single and I'm going to stay pure and I'm going to focus on Jesus because that's all that matters. You know, I'm doing this because I wasn't sexually pure. Now I'm going to fully do this and now I found my freedom. I think the biggest thing that we find with that, that's such beautiful stories but I want to talk about my experience a little bit about with purity movement. The purity movement instilled shame and not grace in my life. It instilled a lot of bad habits, a lot of things that caused me to think that I was a horrible person because I was thinking this way. And it's not. God made us sexual beings. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as it's a man and a woman together, you have a wonderful, beautiful worship going on. It was about... It exposed unbiblical sexual behavior this that was my bad thing here's what the good things are it was exposing unbiblical sexual behavior in youth groups and churches and it was supposed and this was a great way to help students to kind of say hmm maybe i need to really look into this because i'm starting to see that the stuff i'm doing is not right it also did a faith-based education for the church this is number two the good things the faith-based education of what it means to really stay pure until marriage. This is something that we all need to understand. Like we have to have that faith-based education. Now, if my kids ever learn or have to sign off a card about sexual sex education, yes, I will let them learn about it. And yes, we will discuss things that are the hard topics because they need to know this. So a faith-based education and a worldly education can help them understand in the faith how they can stay sexually pure, but still run towards God and know that even if they make that mistake, Jesus will still accept them. And that was something I really wish somebody told me at a young age. I didn't feel like that. And the best thing about the purity movement was you were not alone in your suffering. There was always people struggling. There was always people doing stuff that was wrong, but you were not alone. And I had some great mentors in my youth group days who really helped me to see that I was not alone in my struggles and that they were there for me. And I could talk about things in my life that could really help someday with people who are struggling. And that's why I want to end on a good note with the ring thing. Like there were some great things. There were some bad things. There were some ugly things, some really horror stories I read. And I was like, oh boy, my goodness. But I feel like now the movement is more towards learning grace with Christ. We're not seeing more purity movements anymore. That kind of died off in like 2000. I would say 2013 was the last time I ever heard of the ring thing. Like they don't do them anymore. They're finding out that it had caused a lot more harm than good. But also I'm seeing churches get real with kids about what they're struggling with and how they can have the purity and make it their choice and not just do it for show. And I just, I want to congratulate those churches who aren't afraid to 
teach the hard things of the Bible because that needs to be taught. Those are things that need to be taught. We need to stop being afraid and start preaching the word of Christ. And I feel like the purity movement has brought out a lot of pastors and a lot of wonderful leadership ladies who've come out to say, we're going to talk about the messy and the ugly and the stuff we did in our past, and we're going to show you how to find grace in Jesus. And that's what this purity movement has done for me. It's shown me so much grace and so much of myself, of learning how to forgive myself and leave my problems at Jesus' feet, not keep bringing them back and self-punishing myself. So thank you all for listening to this longer podcast than expected of the ring thing, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I can't wait to share more of my experience with my new job coming up, all my new fashion trends and stuff. Guess what this week? We're going to be talking a lot about fashion forward. We're going to be talking about some of the colors coming out. And we're also going to be talking about some cool things that I feel a lot of us are struggling with fashion right now. So can't wait to talk to you all on Friday. Have a wonderful day and make sure to like, comment, and share from all of these resources of my podcast. Thank you all and talk to you soon.